Good morning, and please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6. This would be page 918 or 919 in the Black Pew Bibles in front of you. I will also have it on the screen, but it's always good to open it in your own words so that you can make marks, you can highlight, you can make notes. And just for memory, that physical touch of your Bible to know where to turn in the Word of God. As you're turning, I'd like to start by telling you about my favorite board game growing up. Now, some of you who know me well know that I am not much of a board game guy. In fact, I think they got the title right when they said board game because they are quite boring to me. However, in fact, maybe they should have named it or spelled that board game instead of B-O-A-R-D, B-O-R. E-D, because they're boring. <laughs> in fact, um, um, or, or actually, I should say that I, I joke too much. There are some board games which I do like. There's some games which I do play with my family. There's some games which I do play with my friends. All joking aside, there are a few. I was recently introduced to the meme game, where you have to all come up with what you think the best meme picture is. That was Okay. Or the Bovey family introduced us to the five-second rule game. That's a great one. Five seconds, people. That I can, I can do. But the classics growing up that I enjoyed were Candyland, Uno, Shoots and Ladders. I could play Shoots and Ladders for hours as a kid. Clue and Monopoly. In fact, my kids were just playing Monopoly yesterday. Several, several times they played Monopoly. I loved Monopoly. I don't even know why, but I loved Monopoly. Maybe it had to do with that free, but unfortunately fake, money. Maybe it was the community chest and chance cards. I could win a beauty pageant, or I could go straight to go and collect money. Or my favorite, the get-out-of-jail-free card. What person does not like a get-out-of-jail-free card? There's a point to this story. I love that get-out-of-jail-free card, and maybe you did too. Well, with salvation, through Christ alone, the only way at true salvation, it's as if we get-out-of-hell card. We get a get-out-of-hell card. But it was never God's idea to give us the gift of salvation as a get-out-of-hell-free card so that we could go on living whatever way we may want and not grow past our conversion experience. You see, God's idea of saving us is to transform us from the inside out and to continue to grow us in a relationship with him, to mature us, to sanctify us, to make us new and better. And if we never grow, we need to ask ourselves if we really know him personally at all. Have we really surrendered to him and his ways? We get a get-out-of-jail-free card, but there was a price paid. It just wasn't paid by us. It was paid by another, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. We are free from the bondage of this world and sin, but we are to be like Paul, prisoners for the Lord, and submit to him and his ways, allowing him to work in you and through you. And this gives us freedom. But then we must grow. We must grow in his likeness, in his ways, and walk as he walks. 1 John 1.26 tells us, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he, Jesus, 
walked. We'll talk more about the likeness of Christ later, living like him. But today, growing is a big idea. Growing is a big idea of today's passage. You see, God calls us to grow. And in this passage, Paul encourages his readers to unite together, grow together in their Christian character as we have unity in the body. Let's read the passage now together. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, verse 4, and one Spirit. And just as you're called to the one hope that belongs to your call, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Today, as we continue in Ephesians, we start into the second part of this book's purpose. We now look to the practical, the life-living examples, the responsibilities we must live according to. Paul starts by saying, I, therefore, therefore, indicating a transition, almost like saying, because of all this, as he's ended this prayer and he moves on to the second part of his letter, therefore, Paul spent three chapters spelling out in glorious detail all that God did for us freely by his grace. Now he brings a call to live by, but only after he has already explained all that God did for us. Also, therefore, because he is a prisoner of Christ, that's what Paul says, because he is new, controlled not by sinful desires, but by Christ who lives within him. He will, we will, we should, in unity as one. As he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. This here should be considered our goal as, as Christians, our goal as followers of Christ, our goal as those who have been set apart and restored by him. Our goal as Christians is to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. But what does this look like? How do we succeed such a high calling? Do we have help in all this? Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord, yes. Paul will go into all this in the scripture until the end of Ephesians. Paul will go into this now. And as we look more to his word, we will see a few things. We'll see, one, we have a goal. Two, we have a picture of what this looks like. Three, we have the means and the help. We are one. Number one, we have a goal, and that is to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Number two, we have a picture of what does this look like. Humility, gentleness, patience, love with one another. Don't miss that. You see, Paul understands the importance of unity in the body, in the church of Christ. And these are qualities to help build such unity. A healthy human body works well because all the parts have a purpose. And all parts work together. Without the mind, they can't function properly. And we need to work properly. We need the mind, the legs, the arms, the feet, everything to work together 
with the head who is Christ Jesus. The body of Christ must work together to work properly and as designed by God. And then number three, how do we succeed? We have the means, living in the spirit, growing by him, in him, and we have help, God and one another. Unity, we are one. Let's first talk about our goal, walking in a manner worthy of a calling, of the calling. You see, this is a high high calling. It's a challenging goal for us all. This is also a calling by God. Notice it's a calling by God, a divine calling. God elected, he predestined us before the creation of the world. And our life must look different than the world. For we are called to live contrary, contrary, different than the world's ways. We know the truth and have been set free and must live like free people. We have a holy calling in 2 Timothy 1, 8-9 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of him, his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This calling is an honorable calling worthy of great prize, both now and forever. This is a profitable calling. And while the world lives in bondage, we live wealthy and free. What the world claims to be freedoms lead to nothing more than more bondage, stressful, sinful living. But living by Christ's ways, by God's ways, brings a rich peace. Allow me to give you some examples from Scripture. Romans 8.1 tells us how we are beyond condemnation. We have, we have been saved from condemnation. Romans 7.6 tells us we, that we are delivered from the law of sin. Ephesians 2.13, that we are near to God. And Colossians 1.13, we are delivered from the power of evil. And Romans 8.15, that we do not receive a spirit of bondage, but a spirit of adoption as children of God. You see what I mean? We are wealthy. We are rich in peace and love of God. Galatians 5.1 tells us, therefore, too, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is bondage? The world's ways are bondage. I had an old youth pastor of whom I was a volunteer under that would draw a box and label it the bondage and freedom box. He would say that everything the world labeled as freedoms on the outside of that box were actually bondage. Bondage to be a slave to money, to work, to temporary pleasures, to sexual desires, to doing things our ways instead of God's ways. The world thinks that's freedom to make our choice on what we want to do with our life. Be who you want to be. The world would think that being confined to God's box, inside the box, staying in the lines is bondage, but really that's the only place where we truly find freedom. All other things continue to give nothing but temporary relief and drag you deep into bondage to them. That freedom box is there to protect us from those things, to truly set us free by living according to God's ways. It's also in living a life worthy of our calling, staying in God's box that we find the unity in one another. As we get outside the lines, we start losing one another. 2 Peter 2, 19-21 
says they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What does this tell us? It tells us that we have a goal. We have true freedom through Christ and we have a new calling to live by. Live a life worthy of his calling. It is within these, this new calling that we find true freedom. It is within this new calling that God helps us to help others. We have escaped the defilements of the world, but we must be careful not to return to them and be entangled once again. You see, bondage isn't something that just ties you down. It's a form of slavery. Bondage makes you a servant to the thing you're bound to and uses you to do its work, its bidding. Bondage to the world's ways holds you back from Christ's ways. Sin separates you from God. But God made a way for his elected or called children, his predestined by him to break free from the bondage and sin and to come back to him. When counseling someone away from addictions, bondage, bad things, we must realize bad things must be replaced with good things to prevent you from turning back. So what should we turn to? What do we need more of? How do we succeed in living a life worthy, living in a worthy manner of the calling of which we have been called? Paul paints a picture for us. He gives us just a few ideas on how to live in unity in the body and to live a life worthy of the calling. Number two, we have a picture. What does living a life worthy of the calling look like? Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, earnestly, some translations say eagerly, we maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You see, it's no surprise that each of these characteristics are also mentioned or alluded to in the Beatitudes and as the fruit of the spirit. These are marks of a true Christian and needed for unity in the body. Here's our big idea number two. The result of the gospel, the result of the gospel being lived out among God's people is a peace, love, and unity that keeps Jesus at the center. And as we keep Jesus at the center, we find ourselves growing more in his ways and in his likeness, walking as he walks. These are the ways that the Christian is always growing. God calls us to grow, not to remain the same, but to be made new and then allow him to work within and through us. These are the ways in which we're constantly growing by and in the spirit. Humility, gentleness, patience, in love with the body, with one another. And when we truly realize, when we really understand how much God did for us, we are naturally want to serve and obey him out of gratitude. And not just for that get out of jail free card we talked about earlier. Now let me carefully say that this is not what saves us, this is how we are changed because of our salvation. As Pastor David Guzik once said, we don't walk worthy so that God will love us, but because he does love us, is a natural occurrence of appreciation 
and evidence of change. Walking in a way worthy of our calling is also one way how God uses us to serve one another in love. And number three, we get to, we have the means and the help we need. We have the means and the help we need. How do we succeed? How are we able to be successful in living such a life characterized by a worthy calling? How are we characterized with humility, love, patience, gentleness, and love with one another? The means of doing this or how we do this is also here in the scripture. Unity. Unity in the body. We need one another. We have all the help we need. We have God and one another. And God's grace is at work within us and through us. And by working together with God and one another in unity, we can grow and succeed in Christ-like living. Together, we are able to live a life worthy of the calling. We have all we need. We have one another. We have God and each other. We are one. Together with God, together with one another, we are one, one body and must work together. Unity. We must unify and be rooted in love, humility, gentleness, patience, and love for one another. Help one another. Work together for God's glory. In humility, count others better than yourself. Worthy of service. Lay your life down just as Christ did for you. You see, humility is a good and an essential characteristic of Christianity. Humility is how we come to salvation when we surrender to God. Humility. It's a funny thing, though, and we often think of humility as the ancient Romans did. Humility. I read that Paul may have coined this word, for neither the Greeks nor the Romans had a word for humility. Like the ancient Greeks and Romans, our society gives honor and respect to the proud instead of the humble. The Greeks and Romans looked down on anyone that did not display pride and self-satisfaction. They considered humility an unnatural and pitiful weakness. But in Christ's example, we find our example to live. Christ lived and died humbly for others, for us. Humble living is what saves us. Humble living is what saves others. And this is also seen in Philippians 2, 1 to 10. We see humility in our heroes of faith. Think of what happens to people who get a good glimpse of the holiness of God or one of the angels. Daniel fell before the angel to the Lord, Daniel 9. What a picture of humility. As did Ezekiel, chapter 2, verse 2. Isaiah proclaimed himself to be a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips, Isaiah 6. Peter tried to send Christ away, crying out to Jesus, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Job repented in dust and ashes after God revealed himself to him. We are often prideful because we compare ourselves to the wrong subjects, other people, when we really should be comparing ourselves to Christ and be humbled by his love. Why might, call, why might God call us to be humble? Why might we be gentle, patient? Why should we show love to one another as the scripture tells us? Well, as one commentator stated accurately, inevitably, wrongs will occur between people in God's family. But these Christ-like qualities help us to be sure that these wrongs do not work against God's purpose of bringing all things together for his purpose and glory. You see, we must be patient, gentle, and loving and care for one another. We are one, unified in spirit, working together for one glory for him. 
Please note that we did not unite ourselves. God has united us together, but we must appreciate this, unite, this united, united church. We must endeavor, or as God's word says, be eager. Earnestly keep this unity. We don't create it. God never commands us to create unity among believers. He has created it by his spirit, and our duty is to recognize it, appreciate it, and keep it. Let me say that again. We recognize the unity in the body. We appreciate the unity in the body, and we keep the unity in the body. We have been unified. And Paul says in verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, one body of Christ, one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope through Christ that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And this isn't water baptism. This is a baptism of the Holy Spirit into the believers. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. At the beginning of this sermon, I talked about living in the likeness of Christ. And as we work to close, I want to encourage you with Scripture to meditate on as you grow in his likeness. These are ways to walk in a way worthy of the manner of which we are called. These are ways to show that we're growing, that we're being sanctified. These are ways to help us be unified together. So grab a pen and paper and write these down. Stick them in your pocket and think about them each day. I found this layout in a navigator's discipleship tool, and I found it helpful, so I'll share it with you. Number one, love in action. Have love in action. Do not just say you love, but show your love. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Number two, we must live a life of humility. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Number three, have faith. Be faithful. Remember the faith of which you have been called. Hebrews eleven six is a good example here that says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Number four, do good, not just to the one another's brothers and sisters in Christ, but to all people and all things and to the glory of God. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 tells us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at that proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Number five, stay free from the bondage of sin. We spent a lot of time today talking about the bondage of sin, but 1 Peter 2.11 tells us, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And finally, lastly, number six, be honest. Acts 24.16 says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear, before God and man. Memorize these scriptures. Ponder these scriptures. Meditate upon these scriptures. There's no free ice cream coupon in doing so. There's no chance or community card draws. There's no get out of jail free card just in the memorization of them. But they will help you to continually grow in your likeness to Christ. Also, consider these scriptures. Do they describe you? 
We are called not to oneness of individuality, not to be lone ranger Christians, but to a oneness of unity in the body. We must unify, unify together through the love of Christ. We must remember that we're not alone in this challenging goal to live a worthy life, to live a life worthy of the manner of which we are called. Remember, we have God in one another. We are one. We are not alone. We have help in doing this. And the unity we have together is to be highly prized, highly sought after, highly respected and tendered to. Yes, there will be struggles, but we as believers saved by God's mercy and grace should be willing to reconcile our differences with one another as we see our oneness together in the body and spirit of God. Allow God's grace to work within and through you for one another. Let's close in prayer and song now.